Greetings brothers and sisters, it's Brother John and today I want to cover why pre-tribbers believe in a seven-year tribulation even though it's not in the Bible. What they do to compensate for this is they have to use false types and shadows that are misinterpreted and they use this as their only proof of a seven-year tribulation because the literal word of God does not support a seven-year pre-tribulation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over some of these false types and shadows and I'm going to debunk them. And I'm going to do this so that pre-tribbers might open their eyes and study the word of God for themselves without all of the preconceived lies that they've been taught by pre-trib pastors and end times authors, etc. In a hope that they can come out of this false doctrine and that they might know the truth about the end times according to the scriptures. And I know that this is not a salvation issue and it's not something that we should divide over. However, the end times are still a very important subject because we are the last generation that is going to witness all of the things that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24, in Luke 21, in Mark 13. So we should know what to expect and we should know all of the signs of Jesus' coming because he gave us many signs in the Gospels. And I'm not just talking about the birth pangs, but I'm also talking about Jerusalem being surrounded with armies, the abomination of desolation, when the sun is turned dark and the moon turns to blood, and the stars fall to the earth. All of these are signs of the rapture. Just as Jesus taught us to love our enemies and to do good to them that hate us, he also taught us the signs of his coming. And I know that 90% or more of Christians today believe in a seven-year pre-tribulation rapture. And this is what they've been taught since they became Christians. So it's really deep ingrained in them. It's really rooted, which can make it hard to come out of a false doctrine because you're so deeply rooted into it and you believe that it's truth. However, it's not in the Bible. And if it's not in the Bible, then we cannot regard it as truth. So we have to cast it out. And if I wanted to go along with the crowd, and if I wanted to be praised by men, then I would be a pre-tribber, because that is the easy route. Over 90% of Christians are pre-tribbers. However, I don't care about the praise of men. I care more for the truth about the end times, because the Spirit rejoices in the truth and I care more about the praise of God than the praise of men. The Pharisees, they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God, and they taught Israel false doctrines about the Messiah's first coming. And because of this, 90% or even more of Israel missed Jesus' first coming, because the majority of people all trusted their rabbis to know when the Messiah was coming. And this is just like today, the majority of pre-tribbers trust their pastors to know the end times. Thus, they don't study the end times for themselves. They don't question the seven-year pre-tribulation doctrine. They don't check to see if it's in the Bible. They just accept whatever their pastor is teaching as sound doctrine. And they go with the crowd because if the majority of people believe it, it must be true, right? And this is the same exact mistake that Israel made 2,000 years ago. And this is why they missed Jesus' coming the first time. The Pharisees had their false doctrine and their preconceived beliefs about how the Messiah must come 
and they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Thus they did not study the prophecies for themselves, but rather they believed the doctrine of men in their Talmud, in their Oral Torah, just as pre-tribbers believe today in Darby's seven-year pre-tribulation. So let's get into what pre-tribbers use to defend their seven-year pre-tribulation. And all the false types and shadows that I'm going to mention are all in the Old Testament. And they use nothing in the New Testament. And that is because the New Testament does not teach anything about a seven-year tribulation, which is quite telling. Because the New Testament reveals what the Old Testament concealed. And if the seven-year tribulation is not in the New Testament, then that means that the seven-year tribulation doesn't exist. It's made up. It's a false doctrine. So let's just begin with the first thing that pre-tribbers point to as evidence of a seven-year tribulation in the Old Testament. The story in Daniel when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down to the golden image and Nebuchadnezzar cast them into the fiery furnace and turned the heat up seven times. And they say, see, the seven times is the seven-year tribulation. And this is a fine example of how pre-tribbers ignore the obvious to support their false positions. First off, if you notice, Nebuchadnezzar making the golden image to worship is clearly a foreshadow of the abomination of desolation. We see this image also in the book of Revelation in chapter 13, that the false prophet will make an image of the beast for the world to worship. So Nebuchadnezzar is a type of the beast, and the image is the type of the abomination that will stand in the holy place. So we know that this is at the midpoint of Daniel's 70th week because this is a foreshadow of the abomination of desolation. This is not a pre-tribulation foreshadow by any means. Now, if Nebuchadnezzar was making a seven-year peace treaty with Israel when he decided to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the flaming furnace and turn up the heat seven times, then I would say, yes, this is a foreshadow of the seven-year pre-tribulation. However, that is not what we're seeing. We're seeing a foreshadow of the abomination of desolation when the beast makes an image of himself, places it in the holy place, and has the world to worship. This is not a seven-year pre-tribulation foreshadow. So what then is the meaning of turning up the heat seven times? Well, we know for a fact that it cannot mean seven years because this event is a foreshadow of the abomination of desolation, which takes place at the midpoint, which there's only three and a half years remaining. So it's impossible that there could be another seven years from the abomination of desolation. So that means that turning up the heat can only symbolize one thing. And that is that the small remnant of Israel that's going to remain loyal to Jesus Christ during the seven trumpet judgments of God's wrath, and God will test them through the fire, but God is going to be with them through the fire. So the turning up of the heat seven times is referring to the seven trumpets of God's wrath that Israel is going to go through during the three and a half years of great tribulation. It does not symbolize seven years. It symbolizes the seven trumpets of God's wrath. So the entire seven-year pre-tribulation theory is really just built on false interpretations. 
For example, pre-tribbers like to use the Apostle John being called up in Revelation chapter 4 as being the raptured church, even though the church isn't mentioned at all in chapter 4. Only John is. And the only person being called up is just one person, it's John. And he's being called up for a reason, because he's being given the vision of Revelation. So there's a purpose for him being called up. He has to write down the things that he's being shown. However, this is a desperate attempt for pre-tribbers to get the church up there as soon as possible. Then the church becomes the 24 elders. Another desperate false interpretation because the church is not mentioned or seen in heaven until Revelation chapter 7 at the sixth seal rapture. So they have to falsely interpret the Apostle John as a church and then they interpret the 24 elders as a church then to make matters worse they have to just completely make stuff up by saying that because Jesus opens the scroll that means that it's God's wrath even though the Bible disagrees with them and says that God's wrath comes at the sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6 verse 17 they completely ignore the literal word of God in favor for their false doctrine then they dogmatically say that the first seal is the Antichrist, even though that's not what the Word of God says. They just twist the scriptures to fit their false doctrines. Another one that they like to use to justify the seven-year pre-tribulation is the story of Noah. They say, well, Noah was in the ark seven days before the flood came, therefore, that's the seven-year pre-tribulation. Again, misinterpreting scripture to fit their false doctrines. Jesus said that the same day that Noah entered into the ark, that is when the flood came, and the flood didn't come until the seventh day, meaning this is the interpretation. Noah enters the ark and shuts the door in the seventh day. Six days mankind has to work out their salvation, but the seventh day is the day of the Lord, in which no man can work. And this is the meaning. The door is Christ. It is open for 6,000 years. But the seventh day is the day of the Lord, in which the door to the ark will be shut, and the flood is going to come. The flood being the three and a half year great tribulation. Just as Noah entered into the ark on the seventh day, so too is the church going to enter into the throne room of God on the seventh day, which is the day of the Lord. Then the door to the ark is going to be shut on the seventh day. Then the flood is going to come down on the Christ-rejecting world. And when I say a day, I'm referring to a thousand years, for a day is as a thousand years to the Lord. You see, the seven in the story has nothing to do with the seven-year tribulation, and it has everything to do with God's seven-day plan for mankind. Another one that they like to use is the story of Joseph and the seven-year famine. They say, you see, the seven-year famine is the seven-year tribulation. Again, twisting the scriptures to fit their false doctrines, Famines are something that have always occurred throughout history. A seven-year famine does not prove a seven-year tribulation. There's also a three-and-a-half-year famine in the Bible as well. Elijah made it stop raining for three-and-a-half years, causing a great famine in the land. Why don't pre-tribbers mention this? 
Well, it doesn't fit with their seven-year pre-tribulation theory. So, of course, they're going to ignore everything that has to do with three and a half years, and they're going to cherry-pick everything that is seven years to fit their false doctrine. Just like in the book of Daniel, when Nebuchadnezzar has them worshiping the golden image, and they say because Daniel's not there, that Daniel represents the church. However, when Daniel's thrown into the lion's den, Daniel's no longer the church there, right? So it's kind of like cherry picking, you see? Daniel's the church when it fits their, their narrative. However, when Daniel's in persecution, Daniel's no longer the church anymore. You see what I mean? It's cherry picking. Another thing that pre-tribbers like to ignore is in the book of Daniel when the man in Lenin puts both of his hands up to the air and he swears to heaven that it would only be for a time, times, and half a time. They have to ignore this testimony from heaven because this testimony is telling us that these wonders that are going to happen during the Great Tribulation are only going to last for three and a half years. So they disregard these testimonies in favor for their false misinterpretations. And they have to use these false types and shadows in the Old Testament because there is no mention of a seven-year tribulation in the entire New Testament. So it's just another desperate attempt to try to make a seven-year tribulation when it clearly is not in the Bible. There is no literal word of God that speaks of a seven-year tribulation. Only false interpretations and false types and shadows. But again, there's nothing that is solid proof of a seven-year tribulation. In fact, the literal word of God directly contradicts a seven-year pre-tribulation theory. Paul said that Jesus won't come to gather us to himself until the man of sin is revealed. This happens on the day of the Lord and at the abomination of desolation. That is when the man of sin is going to be revealed. I see many brothers and sisters trying to figure out who the Antichrist is, but all of that speculation isn't going to matter because the man of sin is not going to be revealed until the abomination of desolation. That is what reveals him as the son of perdition. Throughout the entire church age, there's been many Antichrists, but there is only one Antichrist that is going to commit the abomination of desolation. And this is the Antichrist. All of the other stuff, like the signs, the wonders, does not make the Antichrist the Antichrist. What makes the Antichrist the Antichrist is the abomination of desolation. That is the one sign that we have to know for certain that this is the son of perdition. And that is exactly how that man of sin is going to be revealed. When he sitteth in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God, and when you see that abomination, when they're setting up that image of the beast, then you're going to know that this man is the man of sin. And there's going to be no mistaking him. That's why Jesus said, when you shall see the abomination of desolation. He said this to believers, to Christians, the elders of the church. He was not talking to unbelievers. Unbelievers do not read the New Testament. They do not study the gospel. He is talking to believers in Christ, to Christians, telling us that this is the sign of his coming. 
when you see the abomination of desolation this is what kickstarts the great tribulation the final three and a half years of god's wrath the time of jacob's trouble so i know that many pre-tribbers have been practically brainwashed into believing this seven-year pre-tribulation false doctrine because it is so mainstream you hear it everywhere you hear it from all the mainstream pastors you hear it from all of the calvary chapels all the most popular pastors the tv evangelist all the prophecy books all the big prophecy channels all the bible schools teach the same false doctrine about this pre-trib rapture and they all study the same school-filled bible that has the darby doctrine and they feed all of this false doctrine to new believers before they even know the true gospel sometimes and they just accept it as truth because they trust that their pastors know what they're talking about not studying the word of god for themselves to make sure what they're learning is true and when they do study the Bible to check to see if the seven-year pre-tribulation is in the Bible, they quickly can find that this is something that is made up by man. There is no seven-year pre-tribulation in the entire Bible. It's all based on lies and misinterpretations, twisting the Word of God. And if pre-tribbers were just to be honest with themselves, then they would know that they cannot defend their position because it's indefensible because it's not in the Bible. When you use the Bible to try to defend the seven-year pre-tribulation, it's impossible because it's not in the Bible. I mean, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble for a reason because Israel is going to be in trouble. However, pre-tribbers say that Jacob's trouble lasts seven years. And at the same time, they say that Israel is going to be at peace for the first half. Well, that just doesn't make any sense at all now, does it? How can it be the time of Jacob's trouble, but at the same time, Jacob is at peace for the first three and a half years? I mean, come on, just use your brain and think. Even a child would know that Israel is not in trouble if they're at peace for three and a half years. Israel is only in trouble during the last three and a half years. Thus, the last three and a half years is the time of Jacob's trouble. It's simple. Even a child can understand this. But pre-tribbers have their pre-trib glasses on that tell them that Jacob's trouble is for seven years. Even though Israel's going to be at peace for the first three and a half years, and what they need to do is they need to take off their seven-year pre-tribulation glasses and really think about what they're saying because it's total nonsense. Jacob cannot be at peace and in trouble at the same time. You're either in trouble or you're in peace. And these two are polar opposites. You cannot have both at the same time. You're either in trouble or you're at peace. Jacob's trouble begins with sudden destruction when the Jews are told to flee from the housetops to the mountains, when Jerusalem is going to be surrounded with armies, and when you see the abomination of desolation, this is what makes Israel travail. This is what starts the Great Tribulation, according to Jesus' own words in Matthew 24. Please, brothers and sisters, do not be deceived by this false doctrine. There is no seven-year pre-tribulation. It's completely unbiblical, and it's based on false interpretations of the Bible that directly contradict the literal Word of God. 
Paul told us that the man of sin must be revealed first. The man of sin is revealed at the abomination of desolation. And Jesus even told us that we would see the abomination of desolation. This is the sign of his coming. When we see all of these things that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24, then we will know that Jesus is at the door. Then we should look up for our redemption draws near. That's all for now, brothers and sisters. I'm going to end with the gospel. That is, that the penalty for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, meaning that God does not change his mind about your eternal life. Once you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise until the day of your redemption. Jesus paid the full price for all of your sins on the cross. He died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And because he rose, this means that the payment for all of our sins was accepted by God. And now we are justified freely by God's grace through the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Now because we are saved by God's grace and not by the works of the law, does that mean that we are to be lawless and do evil? Absolutely not. Jesus commanded us to love one another just as he loved us and he gave his life for us. So too should we treat others how we want to be treated, for love fulfills all of the law and the prophets. And love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Therefore, love one another as Christ has loved you. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and Maranatha.